so thankful to have Brian Sumner here this morning with us on the Faith in the Fast Life podcast. We are so grateful for all the listeners who are hearing this right now. Uh, please, listeners, as you hear this, like this, share this, uh, rate this. All these things just uh, give us so much traction to get more listeners. Um, I'll plug uh, uh, Brian's podcast real quick as well. It's the Foolishness podcast, right? Yep. So that's another one that you guys can go check out with uh, with Brian and see what's going on on that. But, man, today we're doing the Faith in the Fast Life podcast. We're sitting here with Brian Sumner, skateboarding legend, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, incredible evangelist. Um, man, I'm just, I, it's just a blessing to have you here with me. So, uh, Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just me and the three cats up early. The family's asleep, so you might get some interaction of shrieking and hanging out. But um, <laughs> you know what? I, I Seriously, I do the podcast like once a week. And then I've done three days on different podcasts, so I'm kind of in the rhythm right now. So it's nice. good to be hanging out with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's uh, it's my this is my first for the week. So if I'm rusty and you're more fluid, you just go ahead and carry it. All right. I'll just start interviewing you. Yeah, let's just go for it. Right. We'll we'll record two episodes as once, and uh, we'll send you the footage for for your podcast. For foolishness. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So man, just I mean. Obviously pretty well known. We know you've had uh, stints in movies. You've done all kinds of things, but but we want to know the story of, of yeah. how you came to Christ. Like we want to know. Yeah. So so tell us, man, what, what's that look like? Well, I mean, it is pretty crazy. You know, I'm sitting here in Cali. The family's asleep. I mean, even the Christmas trees behind me, you know, I'm up owning a home with two cats, three dogs, three kids. But it all really begins in, in Liverpool. You know, um, way back there where the Beatles are from, where that sport football is from, you know, not soccer, what you guys call yeah, that's it. That's the one with um, the black football. and white ball, right? That's, you know, it's the <laughs> ball that you kick with your foot. I don't know what Americans are trying to do, but I grew up in Liverpool. It's kind of like, you know, a dock, a shipping town, comes out of a lot of unemployment from after the war. And so it's just a tough, rugged area. I mean, it's beautiful. You have these famous songs, you know, you'll never walk alone and diehard soccer football fans. But I say all that to say, I really had no clue about life. I grew up with two older sisters and parents that one would say they were Catholic, one would say they were Protestant, but that never meant anything to me. And so I had no clue about life. And so you're getting into fights, you're getting into trouble, you're hanging out in the street, not like gangs, but that's just what you do. And then you get to 13 years of age you know, I found skateboarding, watched Police Academy 4, that old movie, and fell in love with skating, got my first skateboard a few months later on vacation in New Jersey. You know, my sisters lived in America on the East Coast. And really, for me, as they say, the rest is history. Skating was blowing up and magazines were getting out. There was already an industry in Cali on the East Coast. I go back to Liverpool and for the next two years, that's all I did and at the same time, you've got my friends who were starting, you know, to do acid and do drugs and the rave scene in England's coming out. And I wanted no part of it. You've got kids getting into actual gangs. I wanted no part of it. And so skating just came along at the right time. It was kind of like the vehicle that would distract me. Yes, there's partying in it. Yes, there's raging in it. Yes, you know what I mean? It's, it's like anything else in life. Yeah. But for me, it was like a discipline. Growing up focused on Bruce Lee, it was like his martial arts shaped him. You know, a painter's art shapes them, whatever you do consistently. And for me, it was skateboarding. And it was the first time in my life that something really drew my attention 
I say all that to say you fast forward two or three years, skating's getting even bigger. Some of these American companies want to sponsor English guys. Little Booktooth Brian from Liverpool gets a call from Tony Hawk's company. Do you want to come live in America? You know, and so you're the same age as me. I mean, if you'd known anyone around my generation, I'm flown to America. I live in an apartment with Andrew Reynolds, you know, Jim Greco. And then you've got like Ali Bulala, Dustin Dole, and that whole Warner Avenue crew. Skating was getting bigger and bigger. We're amateurs. You're getting a couple hundred dollars a month, which I joke, you know, but when you and me, all we're doing is skating six hours a day, eating Taco Bell or barbecuing, going around the world, you don't need nothing. And then yeah. the Tony Hawk game came out. I'm dating myself now, you know, around the 90s. That thing blew up. I'm in a bunch of videos. And basically, I mean, you would say biblically, I'm living the American dream, you know, gaining the whole world, but not knowing I'm losing my soul yet. Now you're making a couple of thousand dollars a month, $10,000 a month, $20,000, $30,000 a month. I mean, two or $300,000 a year and 19, 20, 21. I'm saying that for our listeners to say, guys, I was on top of my little bubble. You know, I didn't care about this, care about that. But like you said, I got to go be around some of, you know, the wealthiest people and most famous people. And none, none of us as skaters cared about that. But at a young age, I was saying, what is life about? I'm seeing all these people. I'm seeing what they're focused on. You're around the Hollywood and that bubble. And I guess my life took a turn again when at the age of 19, you know, I mean, I, I had girlfriends on and off, but I was so focused on skateboarding. I didn't have time for that. It was like skating. And also, I wasn't a citizen, so I was trying to do everything right. Fall in love at 19. We're not Christians. We're not believers. We have no clue about life. I'm about to go back to England, enough for, you know, visa reasons. But because we're in love, there's money in the bank. I'm in the magazines. Life of Brian's working out great. I asked this girl, let's get married um, right here on the tower in Huntington Beach. Didn't tell her family. Didn't tell my family. Totally eloped. Only told, you know, Jeff Rowley and his girlfriend. That's who I was close with, you know, grew up with Jeff. And so we drove out to Vegas. I couldn't even drive. Drove on the wrong side of the road. She's from here in Huntington. Madly in love on top of the world. I would have called you and said, bro, life is amazing. And there's money in the bank. Let's go travel the world. I got my wife. Now we're pregnant. Everything's insane. My family in England are celebrating. It looks good. And now you're a year or two in, we begin fighting, there's issues, there's struggles. And guys, this is just normal life. This is just people trying to figure out what they're doing, pursuing their career, having a dream. You could say being an entrepreneur, you know, we're navigating our life. We're in love. We're having a family. We're living happily ever after, right? But then, you know, as the movie goes, reality bites. We begin to fight. There's issues, there's struggles, there's no guidance, there's no Bible, there's no understanding of who we are. And so within two or three years, Brian, the skateboarder, is divorced, is angry. It's the first time I was confronted with something that was falling apart. And I just remember, you know, and I joke saying this, but if you and me were in England, we'd be out camping tonight, you know, hanging out with our friends on a skate event. You'd bring up, oh, dude, man, we did the Ouija board that time. Or, oh, man, is Bigfoot real? Or someone would be like, hey, what do you guys think about God? I mean, that was the real talk, like, I, I had no faith. I didn't meet one Christian my whole life. Like I said, my parents were just like, oh, we just go to this church. You know, you, you subscribe to that idea, but there was no talk of Jesus, no talk of sin, no talk of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Never went to church my whole life. 
And now I'm divorced from this woman on Amer in America, away from my family, on top of the world. And I said, I want to prove there's no God. Because if I can prove there's no God, then nothing matters. If there's no God and we're just time plus chance plus whatever happened, you know, primordial soup, you and me are just possums acting like, you know, evolved apes, so to speak. Who cares if I'm divorced? Who cares if I'm depressed? Who cares if I'm suicidal? Who cares if I have an ex-wife and a kid? And in all of that, um, I finally got around to open up the Bible. And I'd never read the Bible. I opened it up once in my life, and I read a word to barnacle, tabernacle. I looked at that word and said to barnacle, put the Bible down, never touch it again. But now at 19, I opened up Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. And so I asked God, if I'm made in your image, why does my life suck? Why did my grandma pass from this? Why do things happen to kids? Why are people alcoholics? Why, why, why? You know, just being logical in English, asking these questions, and God answered. Genesis 2, Genesis 3, Brian, it was all good. But you know what? Adam and Eve, your great-great-grandparents, they had to touch that tree. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And there we have it, the curse, the chaos, all of us dead spiritually, will die physically. And that sent me on a journey just to disprove the Bible even more. How can someone be 900 years age? Where are dinosaurs? You know, what about aliens? Or the, I mean, you can get it. I actually have the Bible here somewhere highlighted in pink, every single contradiction. So I thought every issue. And as I'm reading this to disprove God, God is revealing himself to me in a way that you know, they did barbaric things in the Old Testament. I was a vegan. We loved the animals. I was in the Smiths and the Morrissey, you know, and meat is murder. You read the Old Testament, they're ripping apart animals. This is barbaric to a vegan. I'm like, this is crazy. What are you right. saying? Once a year, shed the blood of the lamb for the sin for our sins. How does that make sense? Put the scapegoat outside the city. How did that make sense? Shed blood over the doorpost to cover someone's what? Death? I didn't get all this till I got to the New Testament. Behold, John the Baptist, Jesus, his cousin says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, is that what the word means? Where did Jesus die? Outside the city, like the scapegoat was sent. Why was the blood applied over the doorpost? Wait a minute, God, because you're saying I'm a sinner. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. I mean, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So I'm saying all this. I bought the house I'm in now and, you know, skating, like I said, was doing great. I mean, the house at the time was like next to nothing and everything blew up, you know, praise God for that. But I knew about God, knew about Jesus, was reading in the Hebrew and the Greek, which is crazy to think about, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I wasn't forgiven. I'd never really looked at the issue of sin. I was just trying to disprove God. And then through community service and through coming home one night, we bought this house. We were separated. But I said, let's just try and make this work till my son's five. So he at least knows I can tell him how much I love him and care for him. And then if I don't want to be here, if I'm done, I want to take my own life. At least he knew dad tried. I mean, just think about how sad that is. Right. That's crazy. That's the guy you're talking to today. I mean, but that's that's the what's, what's so crazy about that for all the listeners out there. Like, yeah. People know people that are in that position right now and even worse because of the yep. COVID and all the other stuff and all the separation that we're, we're creating. Yeah. And yep. this is, I mean, how many years ago is this now? Well, it's 2003, 2004. So like I said, checks were showing up. I was going around the world. We'd separated for a year. I was out in LA just, you know, running around doing whatever she was, you know, 
back here only like 40 minutes away. I lived in Huntington, but I was just living however I wanted. And I say all that because I came home and that night after hearing a pastor, you know, the community service I was doing was Christian thrift store. And I went there. It was the last thing on the list. I never really met a Christian. No one had ever really witnessed to me, even though I'm kind of living in, you know, the Cali Bible Belt right here in Orange County. There's so many churches, a lot of Christians in, you know, skateboarding. But really coming home that night because of community service, you get extra hours if you go to the church and serve hamburgers and fries and hot dogs to the homeless. So there's Brian on community service for getting into fights and trouble. He's doing his hours. He's not a citizen. He hates his life. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay in the country. I'm divorcing this woman, have a kid. This is just not what I signed up for. Life's been easy aside from the fighting and the chaos. So as this is going on, I come home this night, get in a huge fight with my ex-wife. And I go in the other room. It's all the way down this hallway past the Christmas tree, a couple of houses, I mean, a couple of rooms over. And I get down on my knees. I'm like, God, I'm done. And I'd been praying to God, like, you know, God, I'm trying to prove you're real or not, or make my life better or help me understand. Or what are these Christians, you know, just being super controversial. But that night it was like, God was like, Brian, the issue is your sin. It's not your marriage. It's not your skating. It's not your attitude. I mean, all those things matter, but it's like, there's an issue. There's a chasm. It was like God allowed all those things that I already knew. Like he arrived. He met me. Like Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom lest you're born again. God was arriving. And I had this, you know, in the garage. Now I have a stack of probably 30, 40 Bruce Lee books that I've had for years. That was my guy. That was the philosophy. The Lao Tzu, the Tao Te Ching, the Eastern mindset, all of that. Liverpool is very eclectic very celebrating of all religions kind of coexist even watching the beatles show you know on him what is it the disney channel you get the whole influence of eastern philosophy that's how i was raised but in that moment in that room it was like i felt this presence i felt this moment like wow i get it i see it i understand it and it was that god was showing me your sin you're separated from me. You need forgiveness. When people ask me today, you know, what is it about God? It's that we're guilty, we're dead, we're blind, we don't see. That was me. And at the same time, my ex-wife was laying in this bed, you know, different bed, but laying right here in this room behind me next to my son, who's now four or five. I'm down there crying. I mean, it's probably the most visual explanation, I guess, of my testimony you've ever had right here. Nice. Mine is the Christmas tree, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm in that other room crying out. And I just have this moment where I know that I know that I know, like, okay, God, you saved me. You've forgiven me. And I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm weeping. And I'm like, and the first thought that comes to mind, it's like, how do, how do, how do my sisters not know this is real? How do my friends not know this is real? How did no one tell me? It's almost like Isaiah where he's like, woe is me. You know, he's awestruck in God's wonder. And the next thing is like, Lord, send me. It was like immediately God arrived there. And what's crazy is I said, Lord, I laid out my life, you know, whatever that means theologically, it's just that your Lord give you my skating. I'll get baptized. I'll remarry that woman. I don't even know why I would say that. I mean, obviously it's central to my life, but she's laying in bed here oblivious, hating me probably because we just fought like crazy. We're not married. I come in here about 40 minutes later. It's one thirty or so. I lay next to her. She sits up like a zombie with her eyes closed. And if you guys are watching this you know you can see the room i'm in it's crazy and um, sits up and she gives like a five to ten minute like mini speech of everything i've just prayed 
I don't know why life's like this. I don't know why that. I don't know why this. All these answers to things that I was asking in this room. And so I wake up the next day. You know, I don't even talk back to her. I just am kind of like blown away because, you know, you can tell by now I'm the talkative one. We're English. We navigate through conversation, <laughs> almost like old Jewish families. That's how you talk. You know, you're banter. I wake up the next day and say, babe, I'm going to be doing this and this. I'm going to save God. And she's like, you're crazy. You're not even Catholic. You're not baptized. You never took communion. You know, I just thought you were like Hitler or someone like you're just probably the only guy, you know, going to hell. And she has no idea of everything she said the night before. Oh, so wow. I literally am like, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve Jesus. If you want the house, if you want cars, if you want whatever, I don't care. I'm going to follow him. And she was so blown away by the next few weeks of what I focused on in my life. It was like, it was almost like, I'm going to follow him regardless what God wants me to do with you. Because I just said, Lord, if you want me to, she goes to the church I'm going to. Three weeks later, comes to faith. The pastor who was visiting doesn't know me from here, from you, from anyone, points at her. You need to come down here. You need to give your life to Jesus. And I get <laughs> theologically the implications, but read her mail. And she'd been praying, Lord, I'm the one who has faith. Yes, I went to the East Coast and, you know, her boyfriend who was in like a straight edge band and all those beads and all the rest of what they do, all the chanting and all this kind of straight edge hardcore stuff. She's like, I'm the Catholic. I'm the one who knows about God. I'm Italian. I'm Mexican. You know, Brian, and while she's saying this kind of in her pride, she'd said, if you, God, if you want me to confess, if you need me to step into this, Brian, please tell me in church today, I am not walking down to an altar. I'm not doing, she's very introvert. And the preacher literally said to my friend Andre's wife, pointing at Tracy, tell her to come down here. And so she came down, she confessed. We were remarried three months later. That was in 2004. And since then, that's, I mean, my son's 21 now, you know, he just did his wedding six months ago. My daughter's 14, my son's 11. And, so that's it, you know, and I, I probably shared this thousands of times, but I know for people listening, first of all, God is real. You stored my marriage and blessing with two more children. But more importantly, he lived, died, resurrected and saved me. I shouldn't be here. If I lived in Texas or somewhere, I say this a lot and I mean it. If I had access to guns and stuff, being English, we don't understand that. I don't think I'd be alive today. I think I'd just be like, I'm over this. There was too many times I punched holes in walls, got in fights with her dad said things to her that if someone said to my mother, I'd have probably killed them back then. I mean, it was just a total mess of life. And now it's, you know, 8 a.m., hanging out with you, talking about Jesus. And yes, the world's crazy, but God's a restorer, you know, a healer, a deliverer. So we, that's it. <laughs> we, we know the end of the story. So that's in a nutshell. Let's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull you back a little bit. Let's, yeah. let's go back to the time to uh, Police Academy 4. Right. So uh, yep. we got a lot of younger listeners that might not even know what police Academy is, but I think there was yes. five of them. If there was, it was right. They definitely um, milked it. So I'm sure there's they, five at least. Yeah. They, they milked it pretty good, but that was what uh, Lance mountain and Tony Hawk. I in the see, skate scenes. The yeah. Literally guys pull up on the other, you know, for them, YouTube it. But I think it might've been like Lance, Tony, Tommy Guerrero, Caballero, Mike McGill. Okay. And, and and it was David Spade, you know, hey, this is skateboarding. And why it was amazing is they're riding down the streets, sparks are everywhere, they're jumping trash cans. I just think this is all Hollywood, really? you know, and Stacey Peralta, I think, is who did all of that work at the time. It's amazing. 
So yeah. now you're on vacation a few weeks later and you see a guy all the up a curve and you're like, wait a minute. You know, we didn't have access to this as kids. Like to me in England, it was like maybe in a magazine, one photo, you'd never seen it. So that was the hook. Yeah. Okay. So that was like, <laughs> so how old were you at that point? I must have been 12 and a half because it was on my 13th birthday in New Jersey that I got, you know, my first real skateboard. So, okay. Yeah. And so, and then what year? So, 13 years old, you're in yeah. New Jersey, you get your skateboard. What year did you, when did you come to the States? 15 and a half, 16. You finish school in America, in England, when you're 15, 16. And I always worked hard in school. I just was like, you just show up. This is what you do. So I passed with high grades, went to art school for six months. And in the middle of it, just came to America. Yeah. So, but by (laughs) yourself, like not with family, right? Oh, yeah. And, And here's the crazy thing is, you know, let's say you and me grew up. You and I would be going on a train this weekend three hours away to a contest, you know, in Leeds or six hours to Scotland. So I'm already traveling the country with like 30 different people. So I'm already used to thinking like, oh, Brian's matured quick. So you come to America, Jeff Rowley lives here, but it's mostly just skate guys and you're staying in apartments. You can't drive. You're not a citizen. You come for three months, go back, come for six months, go back. And then filing visa. That was the case. Yeah. Right. So, so so at a young age you had to do all the visa filing and all that different stuff. You're in the States, you're getting pro, you're you're going big, the world is <laughs> is at your fingertips. You meet your wife. Yep. What I mean so what, eighteen yep. years old you were married or nineteen? Nineteen, yeah. It'll actually be our twenty first anniversary uh December eighth. So And so like with that, like the I you know, yep. if you've listened to the the first episode, I always I always bring it up. I feel like, but the first yeah. episode of the of our podcast is my story, yep. and so where oh, you're yeah. where, where you're turning, you yep. know, to skateboarding and and the drugs are happening and all your friends are doing it. I was yeah. the friend that was going down the drug path and left you just all went the and did all the partying, behind. raging. Yeah, yeah, I yep. did all that stuff. But how did? Yeah. I guess the the question yeah. all is this is all of that's around you. You are getting in trouble. You're having to do community service. Yeah. But how did you, I mean, would Not you say God's hand was on you the entire time? I mean, oh, to, yeah. to keep you he, from the worst? Yeah. Here's what's crazy is, you know, I'm like OCD. Like um, they say one in five people are, you know. So like for me, I mean, I don't care about it as much now because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. So I'm like, I don't even need to be that way. But if I would have been someone that was like addicted to like alcohol or drugs or something, it probably would have been crazy. You know, like John Piper says, I can't even eat a pack of gum casually. It's like you got to eat the whole thing so fast. That's how crazy we are. I'm like that with, you know, Dr. Pepper or like chicken wings or something. So for me, you know what it is, though? I just hated smoking growing up. My parents smoked like crazy. I hated the smell. I watched Bruce Lee. I think Bruce only maybe drank in one of his films. So I literally, I idolized Bruce Lee. So I never watched him partying, raging, doing whatever. Yes, growing up in Liverpool, you have the Beatles, the Doors, the Pink Floyd, the Bob Marley influence. It is a big, you know, kind of stone, a rave, whatever, hang out, celebrate drugs, like everywhere now. Um, and for me, it was just like, no. But also, I wasn't a citizen. So coming to America, growing up, looking up to Jeff Rowley. He didn't drink at the time. He didn't rage. He didn't party. Sure. He had a temper and got angry like I did being from Liverpool, you know, with soccer hooligans. Everyone is. I always joke because you're passive aggressive. It's violent. there. It's aggressive, confrontational. So I just was like, this doesn't fit into the dream. You know, drinking, partying, raging doesn't help. 
So coming to America, and I'll make this point, I remember doing a throw on board side on a handrail, and even my OCD, I'm like, I'm going to do it five times. I did it four times. The fifth time, I kicked my board, hit between my legs on the rail, smashed my head on the floor, and I sat up right away, and no one even knew I'd been knocked out. And I'm sitting there. It was one of the only times in my life my parents had gone out of town to a friend's. My sisters were taking care of me. And I sat up, and my friends are sitting there, and I'm like, I've been knocked out. And they're like, what? I hit my head super quick right here. But I said to them, I've seen God. And they all start laughing because I have no idea about God. I've seen God. And they're like, what do you mean? I don't know, but I experienced this crazy light. And God told me, I've got a plan for your life. You're going to ride for Airwalk. You're going to live in America. And I've got a plan for your life. And so I'm throwing up everywhere. They're calling the ambulance. My sisters have to come get me as well. Ambulance takes me to the house. I'm throwing up. But I'm telling you, I'm not saying I seen God, but at 15 years of age, it must have been right when I was hitting 15, I, I, I just felt this experience that was like God. It was God. And years later, asking my dad and my mom, you know, why don't you just put your faith in Jesus? And my dad said, sitting at a table, well, God never chose us. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, Brian, you got knocked out when you were 15 and you felt like God spoke to you. What's crazy is I wasn't sponsored. I was barely even getting in the magazines yet. I get a call from Jeff. Hey, I want to get you on Airwalk. And then, hey, I'm going to come live in America. And the crazy thing now I tell people is that God said, I've got a plan for your life. That isn't specific. If it was specific, like host a podcast or start a ministry, but it's like, right. I've got a plan for your life. So to me, I feel like I'm still living that part out. But to answer your question, I just, it wasn't in the cards for me. It was like, I just not into this. I never liked the look of just smoking cigarettes, the smell of weed. The If, if I got drunk, it was like Jack and Coke because I liked the Coca-Cola. It was just sugar. It's your party. We're going to get drunk. We'll smash some windows or probably do something stupid, like have a laugh, throw a cake at someone. And I was passed out in like three hours and everyone was like, that guy's annoying. <laughs> so, so that's not, you know, yeah. So the, so really the idolization of uh, Bruce Lee helped kind of keep you straight edge a little bit, but then Definitely. the peer pressure of the party would still get you to the Jack and Coke at some oh, point it was, in time. It, oh, it was there. I mean, to the younger generation, you know, they just did a thing, Warner Avenue. For those who don't know, you know, we all lived on Warner Avenue in Huntington. So you've got like Eric Ellington, you know, like me, Jim Greco, Andrew Reynolds, Ali, all these guys, but like 10, 15, most of them would just drink every single night. They wake up, bong rips, you go eat food, you go skate for five, six hours, you get your trick, you come home, and they just start blasting weed, getting stoned, having people over the house partying. So I was around it, but I was like Mr. Clean Cut, do push-ups, do sit-ups, go for a run. I just, again, it goes back to Jim Carter, the movie. It goes back to No Retreat, No Surrender. It goes back to The Last Dragon, you know, with Tia Mac and Bruce Leroy. I just loved martial arts. I loved this physical aspect. And so putting that in my body, and I was also the crazy English guy. So like, oh yeah, Brian doesn't really drink or rage or party. That was it. I would wait till they were kind of out, out of it. And I would play music really loud in the middle of the night, wake them all up and mess with them. They thought it was terrible. It was funny to me. So it was <laughs> like, it was just, you know, but we're all 19, 20 and younger goofing off. And plus yeah. I didn't want to do this, get in trouble. And I couldn't be a citizen. Like Ali Bulala, you know, he was drunk in a trash can, gets arrested, sent out of the country for five years. So it's, but, it, but like you said, it really was looking at Bruce and saying like, hey, I mean, if I could have gone back, I would have probably been an MMA fighter looking back now for sure. Right. You know, did, um, 
<laughs> so so when God spoke to you at that young age, like yeah, you just basically ignored that, right? And just no, here's what's crazy is, and when I said the only time I read the Bible, I, I literally had a friend, Mark Hanley, and I don't, don't think you'll see this. Maybe if he does, someone will tag him. He was a kid in my school. I had book teeth as a kid. I don't, I don't even talk about this because it's funny, but you asked. But in school, you got a little uniform on, like Harry Potter, I had book teeth, and he's like calling me names. And I used to get in loads of fights. So I remember going to the classroom and like swearing at him, smacking him in the face, and like after school, we're fighting. And so what happens is it's Friday. And after school, we all go on this grass mound called the Resi in Walton by our school. Everyone shows up, like 40 people. We just start fighting and everything. And he's pulling my head. And I remember he punched me and I bit his fingers. He did it again. I bit the back of it. I mean, it was crazy. And as I'm fighting him, this older kid comes over and starts kicking him in the face because of what he'd done, apparently, to one of his sisters, like said something. So I just get up and leave. But I'm going home after this huge fight. I'm going to see this kid on Monday. And I'm stressing about it. Are we going to fight again? Why did I do this? I was mad at the time, you know, crazy. I get knocked out on the Saturday or the Friday night in town. So I wake up and I'm like, I've seen God. Ali Bulala was staying with me, a very famous skater for Flip. You know what I mean? And you would know who he is, you know, anything about skating. And so the whole weekend, I'm just talking about God. I had this crazy feeling of like, nothing matters. Like, I know God's real. And that's when I went to open the Bible and I'm reading it. And it's like to barnacle. I close the Bible. I go into school on Monday and I see Mark. I'm like, Mark, I don't even care. Hey, sorry, whatever happened. I don't care. Where are we going to? Because we were friends. It was like a big fight we had. And I'm saying that to say I had this crazy feeling for two weeks. I remember sitting at the table, eating beans on toast. And my mom's in the kitchen. She's passed away now, going to be with the Lord. I led it to the Lord, you know, amen. But yeah. I remember sitting there eating beans on toast and saying, mom, isn't God good? Isn't Jesus good? And in my head, I'm like, what am I talking about? And what's crazy is years later, when I came to faith, I was telling someone, I can't explain what happened, but I had this feeling. And as I said it, I remembered the whole experience. I was like, wow. Because I talked about it in a Thrasher interview and other Christian skaters that said, Brian, we read that. And we're like, wow, did God deal with him? So whatever happened, it was definitely the sovereignty of God impressed. And I, and I believe most people have these experiences, you know, whether they're high as a kite late night or someone says something or this moment in church as a kid where God pricks their interest and the Holy Spirit like almost sows that seed. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think God's hand was on it to where now I think skateboarding was even just to get me to America to have this platform, you know? Right. So yeah, all, all <laughs> part of the plan. So, so yep. that happened. You had a couple of weeks. It was pretty intense. The yeah. platform takes you to the United States. You maybe fall <laughs> off a little bit, go through a few bumps and then, uh, and here you are. So that's yeah. most of the past in a nutshell. So tell us, you know, what's, yep. what's Brian doing now? Well, you know, you come to faith and suddenly Brian's a skater. He rides for Tony Hawk. You had all the Luis Palau and the Franklin Graham events and that kind of stuff blowing up, you know, kind of the first of a lot of the platform kind of open air skate ministries. So I get invited to go speak at these places. And I'm like, what? You know, my accent's so sharp. I'm still probably dealing with the language I'm using. And Christian Asoy had gotten out of jail at the times like, yo, you know, you just got to figure out 
your testimony and what God did and shared that. So as I began to think through that story, I've just shared like, okay, this is what God really did, how I came to faith, what I understand. I began to start sharing places. Then I'm speaking at youth groups. Then I'm doing some travel and people are just inviting me and I'm just going to church, reading the Bible, reading all these books, doing radio shows. I'm just a skater. Like, okay, I guess this is what Christianity is. We're evangelizing people. And as that's going on, so many skaters are like, well, you know, why don't you go ride for this company or that company? And I just felt like God was like, Brian, I want you to work on your marriage. So, you know, I could have gone and when contracts are up with audio, been super focused on going to Australia for three weeks to get five tricks for a video. But immediately with me, God was just like your marriage, you know, and your son. And I just focused on that. But I spent about three or four years in the skate world witnessing all those people, sharing with them, you know, loving on them, being, being a, an example, hopefully, as far as just like the cross of Christ. But as that's happening, I get more and more invites. I'm getting on mission trips. I'm doing Bible school. And so what happens is this just accelerates to where as I'm going to go start a business or see what's after skating in the industry, my home church is like, Brian, you're crazy. Like you speak in schools, colleges, universities, rehabs. You're always invited. If you went and did any kind of nine to five, you wouldn't have this kind of freedom. You couldn't just go anywhere with, you know, I get texts daily. Can you come speak here or there? So it got to a place where I wrote a marriage book. I did a load of things kind of around the world, like outreaches and speaking and sharing. And now I was in Arizona, what, two weeks ago, Texas last week. This is the first kind of few weeks I've had downtime. So I just volunteer pastor at my local church, but really I'm what they call like an urban missionary, meaning, you know, the evangelist almost doesn't exist anymore. You have, you have a staff pastor, staff worship leader, staff janitor, but the evangelist like, what does that dude do? So Paul didn't have a family and he was off just on his call, you know, writing the epistles and the rest. For me, it's like I raise full-time support. I don't expect nothing from anyone. I just go as I go. And I just believe the Lord's going to provide. And that's through the covering of my home church and a lot of leaders around the world. I said, is this really what I should do? And they were like, Brian, the gift will make room. We're not to muzzle the ox. If there's fruit in this and you step out, God's going to provide and open doors. And so even the podcast, because someone said, I feel like you're meant to do this. I'm like, I don't have the time. A friend showed up at the house, a woman in her 40s who has no clue about that conversation. I feel like I'm meant to give you this microphone. It's a hundred dollar microphone and you're meant to start a podcast. Okay. And I go back to, you know, and I go back to all that God said to me was, you know, Airwalk America, I've got a plan for your life. And so all we know is that, you know, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit are the sons of God. So I'm like, Lord, you know, we're on a podcast today. I'm probably going to go to jiu-jitsu in a few hours. I'm writing a sermon tonight for the weekend. I'm speaking at a Brazilian church. So that's it, you know, just 42 or 43, who knows, just uh, doing what I'm doing and that's it, you know, <laughs> keeping each day focused on him, hopefully. Right. Um, <laughs> I uh, I love the, you know, talk about the podcast thing when, when uh, all the Fast Life Ministry stuff started and I felt yeah. called to go back into uh, the places mm. I grew up, right, from in the darkness. It was really uh, Acts yeah. 26, 17, and 18 that, that mm. when I read the book of Acts and I, yeah. oh yeah, like, okay, I understand why I'm in seminary school now. Like I hear you yeah. I'm going back to those <laughs> dark places to go turn people from darkness to light. Yeah, And a kind of similar story of a friend of mine, a good friend yeah. of mine is like, you should, 
you ever thought about doing a podcast? I'm like, I can't even stand the sound of my voice on my voicemail. Like that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, but I can hear it flowing out of you. It's just very natural, you know, and it's, and if God's unctions there, I mean, to yeah. me, you seem like a great podcast host. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. But that's kind of the same thing. I'm like, no way. Like that, that would never be me. And then <laughs> one thing led to another, to another, and then boom, here we are doing a podcast. So like, yeah. And, and getting to talk with you, incredible. So <laughs> We've got most of the story here. There's a couple things yeah. I do like to ask. Uh, one of them is a yeah. new one. Um, uh, the the first one I'm going to ask is, what's one thing in the world right now that's that you're struggling with that maybe some other listener might be struggling with, and we can shed a little wisdom on it. It's good, huh? You know, I guess I wouldn't say I'm struggling with it, but I guess I know what people struggle with a lot is the area of actually living out their faith. And I say that to encourage people with this, you know, coming to America at 15, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. So you're, you're afraid you're going to break your ankle. You're afraid you're not going to have money. You're afraid you're going to go back to England. Your whole career is based around a few things. Then you become a Christian, like, okay, God, you got this. And he does, but you're still paying the bills and you still have kids and you still have a life. So one of the things that I would have said a few years ago is, I'm having a problem with faith, not faith in Jesus. I know he died for me, but faith in what he wants to do with my life. And I guess now I've almost learned to live in the uncomfortable, comfortable. Like I literally don't even know about other than like a few things that are on my schedule for the next, the next part of the year. I got a text yesterday. Can you come here around New Year's Eve? So I would say to people, um, really being able to walk out their faith, not just have faith, but trust God with what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly amazed the times that we had like nothing and a card for 500 bucks would like show under the front, show under the front door or a check would come in the mail or things would happen. Yeah, here's Brian, the pro skater, you know, because if I was a business guy, or like my wife says, if you sold houses, you'd be a multi-multi-millionaire by now because I'm driven. I was a pro athlete. You know what I mean? Like you probably going to Bible school being driven. So for me, it's just, not so much now because I don't even think about it. I'm just like, Lord, I just trust you. Thank you for your provision. You know, um, even this weekend, I'm speaking at a Brazilian church in LA. A friend of mine, Pastor Lucas, a snowball church. Okay, Lord, I come home today. I'm going to get into the message. I'm trusting you with shaping this this week. I'm trusting you with it. They bless me with something. Thank you, Jesus. But I don't need to think about that. I'm trusting whatever you have operate in the altar. All of that. And I say that. That's kind of the struggle I would have had for years, but now since 2013, really stepping out. And aside from that, you know, I guess not to the younger listeners, but maybe there's some young dads, young parents. Is man just raising kids? It's tough. You know what I mean? Like you will, you will judge yourself as a spouse. You will judge yourself as a parent. And the world, even since COVID, is so crazy. Where with my youngest, it's almost like he's super dependent on my wife. So knowing how to navigate that, raising a teenage girl, and then obviously my oldest now, you know, is out the house and that. But I would just say none of it's like a struggle, but it's just learning to have grace with yourself as well. You know, like like if the uncle's not going to discipline your kids, the youth pastor isn't going to discipline your kids, but knowing how to be dad and not spare the rod and be able to know the right things to say when you're all locked up in the house, when there's homeschool, when you're doing things, I'd say Basically, you know, faith and just grace and mercy, even for yourself at times, because I'm a guy who likes to just do things. You know, what do you want me to build? What do you want me to write? What do you want me to say? Execute. 
So the navigating the floating for me, that's why maybe I have OCD so much is because it's just the discipline. So I guess I just say for people, guys, you know, the Bible says we know in part. And yes, we're perfected in Christ, but you're living in a crazy world. And I guess I even say this as an encouragement, something the Lord kind of showed me, even in this room, talking with my friend a few months ago. But I think the big deception of this world, and maybe even for you, for me, is worth thinking. Because you, you said you're what, you're 40? 41. What, eight. So let's just say we're like, hey, we're going to retire at 60 or 70 or whatever we say, or maybe retire at 50. The idea is we're going to get to this age where we escape the chaos of this life, and then we can relax. Or we think we're going to do this podcast, a couple of things this day, then we can relax. But the thing is, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, you know, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, all the rest, they would all still be working as hard as possible. And the deception, I think, is that even Christians want to live in this world as if there's no curse. I want to live as if there's no struggle in my marriage, as if your podcast didn't only start till 22 minutes later because there was technical difficulties, as though I'm not going to stub my toe today. But really what I've learned is the peace of God is walking amidst the craziness when the podcast didn't work today or when you get submitted 15 times at jujitsu or when life is crazy. And I'd say of anything to Christians, that's what we've kind of been baited by is I want the house, the picket fence, everything to make sense. And COVID's exposed this rather than no, you are still living in a cursed world. Your wife will still give birth and it will be painful. You will still work hard by the sweat of your brow. The apostles, I mean, the apostle Paul, he wrote 13, possibly 14 books, the New Testament. Bro, why are you making tents? But the reality is to tell people with those few thoughts, have faith and learn to have grace and mercy for yourself and stop trying to live as though you've escaped the curse physically, because that will create idols of money, idols of the way you look, idols of building the biggest ministry. If I had the biggest podcast in the world, you'd be like, wow, we got Brian. It's still all about Jesus. You know, I, I don't just yeah. so you guys know, you know, but I'm saying that to say those few things. I'm for the younger generation, just as a dad, most of the stuff you care about will not matter when you're 21. And when you're 21, most of you care about will not matter when you're 30. And so all the stuff in school, you have kids who are bulimic, who cut themselves, who hate themselves, crap. Once they get to 21, what was I thinking about? Then you have a wife and kids. You're like, what was I worried about? At 40, I'm like, okay, God. You know, and you see it, the 50-year-old, 60 years, they just forget they even cared ever. Right. So I'm just saying, get focused on him, you know, and a big thing, and I know I'm kind of going on, but it's just, it's early and I'm thinking this through. Um, just suicide being so rampant for men. Maybe someone got this who's struggling in their marriage, guys. You will never see a Jewish suicide bomber. I mean, what a transition right there. What am I talking about? In the Old Testament, Job wouldn't take his life. Elijah wouldn't take his life. Moses wouldn't take his life. They would ask God at times to slay me, to do certain things. But they believe that every day that God gave you breath, there's a plan and a purpose for him. And you and I both know this because of Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship or his poema, his poem, his, his written, his love, you know, to the world. So your podcast today, that's what you're called to. That's why you have breath. As you go to Starbucks, wherever you go, you know, helping your friends in those dark places, that's the purpose. And I would just say to people, we're so intently focused in this world, like I was, not wanting to live, being self-focused, that it was through finding Christ and knowing my focus should be on him, that everything changed. 
And for the kid right now that maybe crazy things happen to, or the dad, there's no hope, you know, she did this and she took the money and she's in bed with them. You know what? That all hurts, but God's bigger than that. And I would just say, wherever you guys are, if you have breath today, it's because God has something for you to do. And in that will be the most satisfaction. It might not be as instant as the pleasure of being physical or the greatest, the high of this or that in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense, I go to bed complete. I, I can just live my life like whatever, Lord, whatever's going on with COVID, whoever's in charge, whatever's going on, whether you fear COVID or you're fearing all the things going to come from the other side. It's like, no, it's walking, not just have peace with God through Christ, but walk in the peace of God. So mini sermon, I guess, with a couple points in there. Yeah, yeah no, I love it. So I'm, I'm going to ask one more. Yeah. This is just one of the things we always ask. And, and I yeah. think you just left like five things, but yeah. what's one thing, one simple yeah. thing that you want the listeners to take home today? Uh, one simple thing I want the listeners to take home. And um, obviously the main thing is Christ, you know, is that if you and I were sitting on a bench today and you could ask me anything, I'd say, look, if, if a bomb went off right now, do you know Jesus do you know what he did for you? He lived 2000 years ago. Well, I can't trust that because that book was written by man. Well, so is everything else you read. The difference is the scripture is inspired by God. Did Jesus, who was never meant to die, who never should have been crucified, who never should have laid down his life, is the only one who was actually good? Did he live, die, and rise again to prove to you and me that there's eternal life, he defeated death, that he overcame the grave, that he paid what was necessary for sin for you and I to be forgiven, all our wrongs made right. And in that, what I'm saying is, do you realize you're loved? That as Christmas is hitting, as families are breaking, as stuff's going on, as the controversy around the world, as the enemy is distracting, do you know that you're loved? Because wherever you are, in a room, in a car, going through a situation, it will pass. This life is a vapor. God is bigger than all of that. So are you aware that you're loved? Do you know what God did for you? Because the Bible says God so loved the world, but we can't see that because we're in darkness. And the reason the podcast I do is called Foolishness is because 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this message, the message of the cross of what Jesus did for us, the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, those who are still lost, but to us, you and me today and believers, it's the power of God unto salvation. So, hey, you know what? If you think about Brian Sumner and can share this guy who wrote for Tony Hawk and skating and his funny accent and all the rest, good. But if you think of me, think, man, there goes me, a wretched sinner, dead and lost. But by the grace of God, I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. He restored my marriage. And I'm here today where, you know, you and I could be a lot of other places, but we're here yep. because of God because he's working through us. We should boast in that. He's using our testimonies, using the boldness to get glory out of us. So I hope your listeners know that. Open up your Bible. It's tabernacle, not to barnacle. And let God speak to you. you know, get, in, get in a community and let just people love on you and love on them back. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. We're so grateful to have you today. The um, Thank you. <laughs> how can uh, listeners find you? Social media, yeah. podcast, let's, uh, drop that info. Well, I was just a minute ago sneaking, filming you so I can tag you in a sec and share what we're doing. Um, on Instagram, it's just Brian Sumner, um, you know, B-R-I-A-N-S-U-M-N-E-R. And then my website, briansumner.net. 
I wrote a marriage book, Never Fails. I'm working on an evangelism one. And really, I'm probably, you know, I joke, but I said to my pastor, because he's almost more like anti-social media. And so I'm like, you think it's bad that I use social media? And he said something profound to me that really encouraged me. I was surprised by he said, Brian, I think you're one of the only people that's actually social on there. And I was like, that is good. And what I say that for is I normally get back to every message. I try and reply to every comment, not because it's random stuff, but most of the interactions I have are thought provoking. So it's normally someone who is going through something is hurt. If they want to get a hold of me because of their marriage, because of their life, because of depression or something or whatever, message me on Instagram or my website will be up and then I'll have that going soon. But, you know, I look at it like these are our sheep. Like you said, this is it all gods, of course, first, but all the people you went back to, that's who you're going to reach right now. The apostle Paul and what he was known for. If I can reach the skate community and this generation and whatever, you know, here we are, Lord. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. He has a, he has a, path for all of us right like we all have Amen. those people we have to reach and oh there's, yeah there's so many people still in the darkness that need to be reached that we encourage yeah all of the listeners even like who, who can you talk to today who can you mm. encourage in their faith today who could you just mm-hmm. love on today the way god loves us and it's uh that's been a big one in our our lives lately here it's just Amen. Uh, you know, forgiveness and just just love the way he he does. Mm. Um, yeah. So as always, as we wrap this up, Brian, thank you so much yeah. for being with us. Uh, fastlifeministries.com. You can go on our site to give to help continue this ministry and this podcast. Um, obviously, all of our social media platforms. And again, listeners, please mm. share this episode, like, yes. subscribe, and give it a, <laughs> a, a rating. A rating helps. So Ryan, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll uh, sign off on that note. Have a blessed day. God bless you all. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for listening to Faith in the Fast Life, brought to you by Fast Life Ministries. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to rate, like, and follow our podcast page so you can be the first to see new episodes every Wednesday. If there's someone who came to mind during the podcast, please send this to them. People like you sharing the show really helps us to get God's message out to a wider audience. Visit FastLifeMinistries.com to give to our podcast and keep us running. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.